We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. I want to share this evening on what I've titled, The Father Seeketh Such. John 4, we all know that scripture, all manner of messages have been preached from that discourse of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And they have a conversation that is captured, the, the, the crux of it is in verse 21 to 24. So let's go to verse 21. For the Father seeketh such. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain. Can we have New King James, please? Thank you very much. Don't, except I asked for King James, don't give it to me. <laughs> Alright, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Next verse. You worship what you do not know. We know <laughs> what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is. I know I can teach all night on that, Pastor Elvis. The hour is coming and now is. So the, the word of God is as relevant now as it was then. When God was, when Jesus was speaking to them, it was relevant to them then. But he had eternity in view. So when he said, now, therefore faith is. It was now in the time that Paul wrote it. Or the writer of Hebrews. Anyway, so when he says, now faith, therefore faith is. When he says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation. It is as real now as, in other words, it was now to them and it is now to us. And it will be now tomorrow. Yes, sir. It will never be past. So the time was coming in their time and the time was, the time is coming in our time and the time also is. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. How many of you have heard the phrase that God is seeking worship, true worship? Talk to me now. But you know, I realized that, that God is not seeking worship. God is seeking worshipers. God is not seeking what you give. God is seeking who you are. What you give is a result of who you are. I, am I making sense? Fire burns. Right? Worshippers worship. But God is not so egoistical that he is dependent on your worship. But he knows that he gets worship when he finds a worshiper. <laughs> Did you get what I just said? So God is not seeking worship. Because as I showed you in Exodus 34 the other day, God, the guy worshipped himself comfortably. How many of you were here when we went through that? Yeah, he worshipped himself nicely. Oh God, you know worship is the only thing that God cannot do for himself. Think again. Why will somebody make you in his image and then you can do something he can't do? 
let me let you think about that for a second. Why will somebody create you in his image after his likeness and you have a capacity or ability that he doesn't have? So he can worship himself. He can exist. Else that he's, he's the self-existing God. Do you understand? Everything that exists, exists inside his mind. So to you and I, it is a reality. To God, it's a matrix. That's why, uh, that's why David says, what is man? That thou art mindful of him. It means that God's mind is full of man. The day God stops thinking about you, you stop existing. So we all exist in him. As you yourselves have written, Isaiah 17, um, Acts 17, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Um, Colossians 1.16, put it up quickly. Colossians 1.16, actually start from verse 15. From verse 15. He's the image, talking about Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Next verse. I love this. For by him, all things were created, that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether or dominions or principalities and powers were created by Christ. All things were created through Christ. The devil, the demons, what you call hell and the lake of fire were created through Christ. <laughs> Next verse. 17. And he is before all things and in him all things and just so you don't get it twisted the previous verse made clear what all things were do you now understand when I said that everything including the devil and all he does is in God what does all things exclude so you understand what Jesus means when he says you worship you know not what we will not be telling you to lift your hands. If you understand the awe of this God, we'll be standing and saying, you are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. I stand, I stand, in our view. You worship differently. That's why personally I can't tolerate dry, senseless worship. Because it's clear that it's coming from an ignorant person of who God is. Thou humbleth thyself to behold the heavens and the earth. The Bible says in Psalm. Thou humblest thyself. So the love for God doesn't remove fear of him. God is not tamed because you love him. He has not become a dog without bark simply because he he's just power under control. So if you understand this God, our worship will be different. I started by telling you there's nothing new. So you might feel, oh, I've heard this before, I know the scripture. That's fine, God. Be thank God for your life. That's why your life is stuck where it is. Because you never rise above the level of your revelation. You never rise. You never rise. 
The fact that you worship in your church and people cry doesn't mean that your worship is acceptable before God. Doesn't. And the fact that you worshipped and everywhere was calm and quiet doesn't mean that God wasn't in the room. So I've learned in the course of my life not to make, not to work stuff. You know how we can create such a frenzy? I was telling somebody yesterday, don't confuse the presence of God for the presence of music. Music in itself is a spirit. If you work music in itself properly, music will respond to you and give you anointing. Because in itself, it's a spirit. It's a life-giving force. If you know how to manipulate it, somebody will play music and you cry. Beyonce is performing and people have their hands lifted up. They're worshipping. Everybody worships something. There's nobody that doesn't worship. If you're not worshipping God, it's because like I started by saying, everybody has the ability, but not everyone has developed the capacity. If you're not worshipping God, it means something else is God to you. But everybody worships something. Everybody has a God. The question is whether it's a capital G or whether it's a lot of small G's. Everybody worships something. Now the father is seeking worshippers. Do you know what it means to seek something? It means to diligently search for it until you find. That suggests to me that what is being sought or what is being seeked. <laughs> is rare. Because if it is readily available. It will not be so diligently sought. That tells me. That worshippers. In spirit and in truth are an endangered species. If they are so readily available, God will not have to be, God will not have to be seeking them. So, worshippers in spirit and truth are in the minority. Yes? For God to be seeking them. Second point, if God is seeking a bunch of people, it means there is a bunch of other people he's not seeking. There's nowhere in scripture that tells you God is a fair God. He's a just God. What does it mean to be fair? For thou shalt find me when thou seek me with all thy heart. So if you don't seek me, you find me. Is that being fair? Because if it's fairness, then God should be found by everybody whether you seek him or not. He ain't fair. He's just. Does that make sense? So if he's seeking, it means there's a bunch of other people that he's not seeking. Then that suggests to me that you are only as relevant to God as your worship. He's seeking such. 
the father seeketh such. So if you are not such, then you are not relevant. Because you're not in the category of people that he's seeking. Is this making sense to anybody? Now just before you think, oh, well, I, I worship. I'm the music director of my church. I'm the senior drummer. I'm the deputy keyboardist. You know? Yeah. I'm the main soloist. You know how we have all these wonderful titles that we've given ourselves? I'm the chief psalmist. Assistant minstrel. I'm the HOD of the altar department, which is a sub-department in the harmony department of the choir, which is the department of the music department, which is creative arts department of the church. Oh, somebody came and put money in my hand and said, I was blessed by your message. Haven't you heard of a man who was a sorcerer that got born again and still came with money to buy the power that the apostles had? I thought he just got born again in the same chapter. So to understand and be in the category of worshippers that God is seeking, you must be one that worships in spirit and in truth. Right? What does it mean to worship in spirit? Again, we've had all kinds of messages. I'm conscious of my time, so I won't push it too far. But to worship in spirit, you must understand that your spirit is who you really are. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Your body is the least consequential element of your makeup. Your body is just an earth suit for who you really are. Your body is to your spirit what clothes are to your body. Do you understand what I just said? Your body is to your spirit what your clothing is to your body. It's just a carrier, a container, a vessel for your, for your body, for your spirit. Your body is that to your spirit. So when God created you, nefesh, right? He created you a living spirit, a living being. And then he created your body or formed your body and put you into your body. So therefore, if the spirit is who you really are, then the spirit or your spirit is the part of you that God does business with. If you get born again, it's your spirit that gets born again. That gets regenerated. Make sense? Your mind and your body don't get born again. Right now, are not born again. And will never be born again. <laughs> you have to work on your mind to conform it to your spirit. Yeah? And you have to subject your body. Because the body doesn't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> your body doesn't have a clue what you're talking about. So the constant warfare is between your spirit and your body as controlled by the mind. So the stamp of the Holy Spirit concerning your salvation is, on, is imprinted in your spirit. 
The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God, male or female. When you get born again, it's your spirit that wakens up to God. So to worship God in spirit, it means to return to your to the originality of your creation. To worship God from who you are, not from what who you are is contained in. Most times we struggle to worship in our bodies and our minds because our minds are not transformed. Our bodies are not born again. Philippians 3.3, 3, put it up on the screen. says, for we are the circumcision that worship in Christ Jesus in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. Worship in God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So your spirit is who you really are. Our walk with God is a spirit walk. So when you get born again, what happens is your spirit becomes aligned to God's spirit. It becomes one with God. So worship that will be acceptable to God, the kind of worshiper that the Father seeks, is the kind of worshiper whose spirit is alive to God. Make sense? And that's why we struggle with worship. Because our spirits are not in alignment with God. I wrote here that to worship God in spirit means you must become like God to worship him. Because your spirit, your spirit is an offshoot of his spirit. It was from his spirit that he took him and gave you your spirit. Make sense? So when the Bible talks about how God created us in his image and after his likeness, it doesn't mean that God has the kind of hairstyle that James has. Or God has a fine baby face like Achibong. Did I hear his wife say amen? The Lord rebuke you. Or that God has two eyes. I've said this here many times. Or two legs. It's, it's, I, I, can't, I don't think you can even imagine how many eyes God has. If the, if the four living creatures have eyes all over them. If the blast of his nostril, the Red Sea fled. What a mighty nose he has. If the entire heaven is just for his bum bum. And the entire earth is a footstool. There's one around. Man of God, where is our footstool? The footstool has been voted out. <laughs> the entire earth it's a footstool for one foot. He sat in the heaven and all it can contain is his bum bum. His upper torso. Don't ask me where it is. And the entire earth is his footstool and at the same time that it's his footstool it is contained in the palm of his hand. How? How? 
Assuming he has two feet only, where is the other foot? And then assuming heaven, first firmament or second firmament, is where the sun is. The sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. This sun you are seeing burning as it's burning. That means it's over 100 million kilometers far away from the earth at this heat. Right? So let us assume, just for sake of imagination, that heaven, where God's bomb bomb is, is 93 million miles away from the earth. It means his leg stretches 93 million miles long to sit on the earth. And you are looking for long leg. <laughs> Only five people got what I just said. Well, I can't get in. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't have long legs. Hosea 4, 6, my people perish. Lack of knowledge. You worship. No, not what. That's how long he stretches. Job says he stretched out the heavens like a curtain. A curtain. He measured the sands in the palm of his hands. The entire sands of the world. Isaiah 40. The power of his hands. Set the heels in their place. Calculated the span of it. And just dropped them there. Mountains are skipping like rams when they hear Yahweh. And you are sat in your chair. Because you are feeling like what? You don't know God. Anybody who disrespects the presence of God doesn't know God. Man of God. Before you are a man of God, there is God of man. Oh, what a mighty man of God. No, no, no. What a mighty God of man. Which man of God is mighty and which man of God is not? By what parameter are you, are you measuring mightiness? You worship him or what? So to worship God, you must come behind God and see God from the eyes of God. Because your mind, your intellect, your comprehension cannot fathom this God. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you have seen hails, hailstones, hailstones, ice? In England, at the peak of winter, when hailstones fall, they dent the car. And Job makes it clear that God has a storehouse where he stores hail. I'm not going to finish this today. <laughs> so to worship God in spirit... Your spirit must come alive to who he is. And once your spirit is alive, your flesh dies. Your spirit cannot be alive and your flesh is alive at the same time. The spirit of God bears witness with your spirit. Hebrews, um, Romans 8, 16, I believe, that you're a child of God. It doesn't bear witness with your flesh. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Put up that scripture on the screen. Hebrews, um, Romans 8, 16. Thank you. The Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Go back to verse 15. 
For we do not receive the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, go on, next verse. Next verse. Okay, um, verse 5. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind, the flesh, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. In other words, you in your flesh are the arch or arch, depending on your English teacher, American or British, enemy of God. In your flesh, not only are you ungodly, you are considered God's enemy. Because the carnal mind is enemy. Other translations said the carnal mind is hostile towards God. Therefore, in your flesh, whatever worship you offer God is considered as a war cry against you. Because you are an enemy. Does that make sense? Enemies don't parley. Enemies fight. And the stronger one wins. So when Philippians 3 says that we worship in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh, it's because the flesh in itself is an enemy of God. If you bear this in mind, and then you go to Galatians 5, and I'm ending here, let's know where it chronicles the works of the flesh. Then if you are spirit-filled and works of the flesh are present in your worship, you're not a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, you are an enemy of God. Because the carnal mind is enmity towards God. NIV says, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit desires what is contrary to the sinful nature. So to worship God in spirit means to come out of yourself and align to who he is. Only from God can you worship him. Because whatever is not coming from God cannot be pleasing to him. Every offering God demands of you is an offering he has given you to give him. Did you hear what I said? God doesn't demand of you what he hasn't given you to give. So if you manufacture your own design of worship to give God and you think because it is worship is acceptable. No, uh, worship has to only be on his terms. You can't worship him how you feel like. In fact, the bulk of worship matters most when you don't feel like it. Did you hear what I said? <laughs> oh, Father, I give you praise. Oh, Father, I exalt you because you're worthy and you're holy. Have you noticed most times when you're praying those prayers, you don't feel anything? You know you're trying to psych yourself. You know. True or false? You know. But you know what I've realized? I come and say, Father, you know right now I don't feel like praying. Because I'm tired. And sometimes I don't even feel like you can hear me. But I know the word says this is the confidence we have. That when we speak, 1 John 5.17, right? You hear us. But I'm tired. My heart and my flesh, many times they fail. But God is the strength of my life and my portion forever. You said they that wait upon you will renew their strength. I am in need of strength. 
I don't feel like praying. And as you're talking to God, you look up and you've talked for an hour. And you just pour yourself out. Spirit to spirit. Not religion. Most times you struggle to pray because you're praying in the flesh. But praying is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And it's only activated by your spirit. Did you hear what I just said? Worship is an activity of the spirit. Ephesians 5, 19. Colossians 3, 16. Make melody in your heart. Sing. Let the spirit of God, word of God dwell in you richly. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Songs of the spirit. Songs from the spirit. So we will finish this meeting tonight and some of you will leave here and go back to your worship lives exactly how you have always done it. Because your spirit is not yet awake to God. Some people will leave here and there's people, folks that they are not talking to. And you're in the same choir. You are insulting people. Or you are being insulted by people. You are, you are angry with the, choir, the uniform coordinator. Or the person that draws up the roster. Or rota. The only thing worse than not being in church is being in church and being an anti-church. Do you know what I mean? Being anti-church, being anti-Christ. Just stay at home. But don't come there and be causing trouble. Because he didn't die for the church. He he died for the church. It's his church. Hello? If you don't like the church, please change church. It's one church. Your pastor might not like what I said. But it's one church. If all of us came in full alignment with God's word, there would be no need for denominations. If God really called you to church, do you know how we fought with it? You are asking God, why, why do we need one more church? Yes. It's a burden in your heart. Why do we need another church? And we are all being churched and not being changed. You're wearing your church on your head. And worship is dry. Once upon a time, a window opens. And you go, yeah, 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 yeah. It was this song. Who told you it was the song? And sometimes it could be in the psychology of the music. Not in the spirit and its power. I will teach it here someday. The role of music in worship. You can have music without worship. But you can't have worship. Without music. And Lord will tug at your heartstrings. But you live here and you just go back to life as usual. And you show up here on Monday next week again. Oh, I'm going for more sessions. Or in your church, I'm going to church. Jesus said if you have an ought against your brother, leave your offering at the altar. Come make peace. As a Christian, there are things that you should not be struggling with. Because once your flesh dies, your spirit takes over. And to worship God in the spirit, flesh cannot be present. Did you hear what I said? But you go on there and you lead God's people in, in praise and in worship, and you are living in the flesh. I'm not talking about struggling with stuff. Because even Paul struggled with stuff. There's one, there's, there's a difference between what you're struggling with and what you are perpetuating. In your life. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? There's a difference. There's grace for that. But what I'm saying is, 
He, I think it's first John that says, He that loveth God does not sin. Rise on your feet. So the challenge is, am I the kind of worshiper that God is seeking? For the Father seeketh such. We'll continue next week with the truth part of it. Those of you that were here when I started speaking, I said sometimes, just put me, play something on, just keep, keep, keep it very quiet for me. I started by saying that most times when the word comes, how many of you were here when we talked about crunch time? Yeah? The word comes and it's hard and it's, it's, it's discomforting, it's discomforting rather. It's uncomfortable and it, it rubs off all the rough edges. That is the word you need. Hello? I don't know about now, but back in the day, if you were fighting mal- malaria, if you didn't get to the point where you were at peace with chloroquine and pyritin, nothing's going to happen in your life. True or false? Back in the day, I don't know, but I don't know about now. Back in the day, if you're fighting typhoid, after you do everything, you come back to amoxicillin every capsule, every six, six hours for four days. There are some things you know that if you don't do, some things will not happen. True or false? And so what you need the most is what hurts the most. Or what hurts the most is what you need the most. So I'd like you to buy your heads tonight, not because there's anything spiritual about it, but just to focus on, on your own heart. And search yourself as you pray that prayer. Let me be the worshiper that you seek. But it's beyond just praying it. You know, I'm very careful about ending messages with prayers and all that stuff. Um, but it's because it's more than that. It's, it's you leaving this room with the confidence and the assurance that you will try out living in the spirit. People are fighting, people are bickering, people are living in the flesh, people are doing stuff based on church dogmas, people are doing stuff based on works of the flesh, people are doing stuff based on their own psychologies, their own anxieties, their own temperaments, their own uh, 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 peculations, they are doing stuff based on their own proclivities. And God says, I want you to worship me in spirit. That's the worshiper I'm looking for. The fact that you are the worshiper your church seeks doesn't mean you're the worshiper that God seeks. And your desire is to be the worshiper that God seeks beyond the worshiper that people want to see. So as you begin to reflect, make that prayer in your heart. And as you pray, whatever comes in your heart that you want to lay down, lay it down. Humble yourself, respect yourself. You're not doing anybody a favor. You're not deceiving anybody. You're not. You are judged by what you know. Let it go down on record before heaven tonight that you heard this word. Because it will go down on record. Heaven has recorded it already. Is what you know you are judged by. And so if you take the word seriously, open your mouth and speak to God. And allow your spirit to be yielded. Let me be the worshiper you seek. Let me be the worshiper you seek. Let me be able to worship from my spirit, from my inner man, not from my flesh, not from my body. My heart and my flesh, many times they fail. Your body, your mind doesn't have the capacity to worship God. As a worship leader, your mind cannot handle it. It can't even conceive God. Your temperament will stand in the way. Your past, your anger issues, your inferiority complex issues. Your depression issues. Your abuse issues. Your emotional instability issues are, are there to frustrate your spirit connecting with God. You can't do it by yourself. You can't. Of your own, you can do nothing, Jesus says. You can't do it yourself. You can't do it yourself. How long have you tried 
How long have you run the same route? How long have you played church? Deceive yourself. The atmosphere around us is stale. The atmosphere is foul. The atmosphere stinks. And we are comfortable. Because there's no conviction of the Spirit of God in our lives. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness. I understand that not everyone is praying, but if you're praying, make it a personal prayer. Make it a personal prayer. Let's a worship revival come and let it start in us. Let's a worship revival come, let it start in me. Help me to know you. <laughs> Help me to know you for who you are. to me everyone look up to me I want to give you one action point what whatever you will be good at is something you have to practice right living in the spirit is easy it's as easy as finding out what the word of God or what the will of God is for every situation in your life at every point in time some of you consult a friend consult a pastor a mentor or whatever before you or instead of the Holy Spirit. But you know the Holy Spirit is as real as you make him. Hello? He's as real as you make him. It's a relationship. So action point, when you're upset and you want to freak out, remind yourself of what the word of God says about being angry and sinning not or not letting the sun go down on your anger. Am I making sense? If you find yourself caught up in talking about someone or somebody comes to talk about someone else to you, what would the Spirit of God inside of you have you do? Is that practical? Does that make sense? Somebody brings a decision your way. What are you going to do? You shall hear a voice telling you this is the way to walk. Walk in it. The steps of the righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Ask of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Is that practical enough for you to understand? For you to practice? Day by day by day, wait, ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be up for whosoever asks, receive. Whosoever seeks, finds. Whosoever knocks, the door is open. But most times we are caught up in our mind, and we only try to engage our spirits in church. True or false? We run through everything with our minds. A question is asked to you. You don't remember what God thinks about it. You don't remember what the word says about it. If you don't know, ask. If you can't ask, Google it. Because you might Google it once and it will go into your spirit and tomorrow you will not need to Google it again. Talk to me now, somebody. The Holy Spirit will remind you of what you previously Googled or read. What does the word of God say about this? About unequal yokes in relationships, about sexualities, about finances, about ministry, about health, before you believe the doctor's report. Whose report will we believe? It's that easy. 
Just depend entirely on the Spirit. That's the life being led by the Spirit. You practice it every day. How would you have me do this? What would you have me do? And as you do that every day, the voice of God becomes distinct and more clear in your life. As you do that, may God help you to come into the fullness of His Spirit. That's when life is worth living. Does it help anyone? Please put your hands together and give God praise in here tonight. Praise God. Anybody feel like you've moved one step further in your walk with God, in your, in your worship of God, in how awesome God is? We'll continue next week. Thank you all for coming. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening, and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.